Lord, we do seek you today for, uh, for direction, for instruction in righteousness, that we may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work, fit for the Master's use. Lord, we give you all the praise for helping us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, 29 and verse 11. You remember, we're speaking to you now about your future. This is a series we started a few weeks back. 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Another translation says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So no matter where you're at today, if you'll walk with the Lord and look to Him, He has been thinking about you. He has got something in mind for your life. He's got something that He wants you to do and some things that He wants to bring into your life. And it's a bright and glorious, prosperous future that He has in store. So it really just makes absolutely zero sense for us to walk away from God, for us to live based on our own plan, our own agenda for our lives. But it makes all the sense in the world to listen to His every word, to pay attention to His heart and what He has designed for us because His plan for you is better than your plan for you. His future for you is better than what you can imagine, better than what you can ever ask or think. Let's serve him with all of our heart and pursue his future for our future. And that's really what God wants for us. Also, uh, go to Hebrews 11 again, Hebrews 11, and, and let's read the third verse. Hebrews, not Shebrews, but Hebrews Some say it's unscriptural for women to make coffee. Because <laughs> there is no Hebrews in the Bible. <laughs> but there is a Hebrews. All right. <laughs> Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 11. Do I need to let that one kind of work its way out for a while? <laughs> you gonna, anybody going to hear what I'm going to say in the next couple minutes? <laughs> Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so this verse again reveals to us that the, the worlds or the ages were framed or reshaped or refashioned and formed and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. And so any person, like all these in Hebrews 11, who can get a word from God for their life, it will totally reshape and refashion and reform and equip them for God's intended purpose for their life. And so it is so important and so valuable for us to hear from 
heaven. There's nothing more important, I, I can't think of right now, for a Christian to do than to know what God wants them to do, than to hear the voice of God. And he speaks right to us right through this most of the time. Are you listening? You can have a word from God any time of the day, any day of the week. God will speak to you if you'll open up the Bible and say, Lord, show me what you want. Teach me from your word. Don't just approach it intellectually like you're going to log something else in your mental library, but say, Lord, reveal something to me. May it come off the page and be alive in me. That's when it'll change your life. That's when it'll make a difference. Amen? Not just about being able to quote something or having things memorized. It's having these words established in our hearts that makes a big difference. And so we are, we're talking about your future, to live mindful of things to come both in this life and in the ages to come. And so I shouldn't live my life just, I'm just thinking about today. I'm just all focused on the now. I should also be mindful of tomorrow and next week. Not worrying about it, but be mindful of it. Uh, thinking about next month and next year and five years from now. It, it takes a spiritual, mature person to do this, to think ten years from now. And watch now, to think a hundred years from now. Or 500 years from now. Because that is a reality as much as today is a reality. And a spiritual person will not just be conscious of the here and now and everything I need and this little pain and this little joy. And uh, No, it's about the future and God's incredible plan. And we need to be prepared for it. And so really it's only the most carnal among us that live completely for the now, oblivious to future events. All right, We have an advantage in life. Jesus rebuked those of his day who, who, who could look and they could forecast the weather. But he said they couldn't see the, the signs of the times. They weren't aware of the bigger picture and what was really happening in God's timetable for the earth and what he had intended for their lives. And that's what we need to be uh, uh, more mature and more spiritual so we can see beyond what just is physically in front of us right now. Because what God has intended for us, what he's planned for us, is not created by the things which we see, but the things which are not seen, which makes the limits of these endeavors uh, limitless, which makes the sky the limit. You know what I'm talking about? When God's, uh, we're dealing on God's system with his word, listen, things can change. So I've been rooted and grounded in a bunch of uh, bad stuff in my life for 30 years. Listen, one word from God can change that. I'm telling you, God's word is that potent. It is that powerful. It is that effective. It can change your mind and change your life and change the way you think and behave in all circumstances. And it can, man, if, if God can't turn it around, who can? I mean, who are we going to trust to turn things around in this world? If we can't rely on a word from God, I'm telling you what, it's hopeless. Nothing's going to happen, but thank God, God Almighty is on our side. And so we've been talking about being equipped for his intended purpose. That's one of the things the word of God does for us. Now, uh, again, I've got to have a word from God if I'm going to know my intended purpose and be prepared for what is to come. Understand again, though, that times of preparation are never wasted times. Preparation is so important when it comes to what God want, wants to do. And, uh, you know, too many times we want to get to things just right quick and right now. And I'm that way sometimes. I mean, if I were to choose, I'd rather preach than study. 
I'd rather teach the word than prepare to teach the word. <laughs> but I've discovered uh, that if you don't prepare, the teaching and the preaching part really isn't as fun either. Because if you don't have something to say, when you get to say it, that doesn't really work. Okay, preparation is so very, very important. I think about how long it took for God to really prepare this world for the arrival of Jesus. I mean, you think about it. Sin entered the world 4,000 years prior. And it took all that time and the prophecies and the law and the types and shadows and everything that, that transponded. And 4,000 years after the promise was given, God gave his only begotten son. And Jesus showed up to redeem us. And why did it take so long? Well, it's a big project. It's kind of a big deal. We don't want to mess this one up. Know what I'm talking about? You got to get it right. And sometimes if something is of grand scope, it's a big deal, it takes more preparation to get to it. And so we can get sometimes impatient and thinking, man, i got to move on this. i got to get this done. i got some things in my heart that I want to see, and I want to see God do through us and, and through the ministry here. But, you know, sometimes because things are, of a, again, a grand scope, it takes more preparation time. If you want to build a skyscraper, it takes a lot more preparation than it does if you want to build a house. Okay? You might be able to work out your plans in a matter of weeks for a house, but it might take years to build a big project and build a skyscraper and all the thought and engineering and architectural work and, and all that stuff that has to go into a big project. But when you're done, man, you got something to look at. This is something that will last a long time, something that's, that's really important. When it comes to your life, listen, again, the Lord has something special for every person. He's not left anyone out. He's got a future for you, for every person. It's not insignificant either. And so being prepared for that even if you don't know what it is exactly, you get prepared in a general way. And it will help that what you do, that, that it'll last, it'll stand, you'll be prepared. God doesn't want you to break under the pressure of what he wants to do in your life. So why does there have to be pressure? That's just part of it. It just kind of goes with the system. We live in a fallen world. There's a devil who hates your guts, and there's a lot of people who walk in the flesh. And they're bugged when anyone does good. How many know what I'm talking about? You, say the, you, you can say the absolute truth with a heart of gold to help people, and someone will criticize you. So what do you do? You just accept that that's a reality in, in some people's lives, and you have to be able to handle it. So what do we need? What helps us with that? Preparation. God deals with us little by little. He'll increase us more and more. He'll take us from where we're at to a higher place, to a place of strength place where we have more wisdom, more development, more maturity, so that when the attack comes, I mean, you know, I want to say, well, bring it on. Well, you don't necessarily like it, but it's not going to knock you down. Are you listening? Things of significance that make a difference in this world will come with opposition. The Lord doesn't bring the opposition, but it will be there. Okay? It's not a lack of faith to say that. Uh, it's just a fact. I mean, Psalm 34, verse 19, you remember this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. <laughs> How many like that verse? How many like the first half of that verse? <laughs> I like the last half. I don't like the first half, but it's still there. I'm not allowed to erase it. I'm not allowed to just pick the part that I want. It's the fact. It's not that the Lord's bringing the afflictions, 
but it's a part of the righteous life. You're going to live right. You're going to live holy and pure and stand up for what's true and what's right and what's helpful. There's going to be opposition to you. What does that do for me? It just says, well, I need to be ready. I need to be prepared because I'm not going to avoid all affliction that comes, but I'm going to withstand it. And with the Lord's help, he's going to deliver me out of every single situation, out of every single trouble and trial and test in life. And so I get ready by being strong in faith in God's protection and deliverance. Someone said one time that if you wait to get faith until you need it, you're too late. And then, but this is the mindset that so many people have. They look at themselves and they think, well, everything's going pretty good. You know, I'm, pretty, I'm feeling pretty good and things are going right. I'm, you know, I'm healthy and the family's doing all right. And the finances are okay. And, and so they coast. They just kind of go into neutral and they just kind of ride this thing out. But that's foolish. That's foolish. Just because everything's going good doesn't mean that you're never going to be opposed in life. And while everything's going good, what better time to store up, to stock up on the inside and get prepared in the heart for the day of opposition, the day of trouble. It's not a lack of faith. It's just saying, hey, I live in a fallen world and God's on my side. I'm going to keep myself ready. I'm going to keep myself built up and prepared for what's going to come. Amen. I know, I know we uh, working on the dairy growing up. Uh, you know, here in Idaho, winters can be kind of nasty, demonic, <laughs> and uh, cold. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that's not always real good for, the, for, for cows in the dairy business when there's moisture and freezing and, you know, they can have some problems with that. So what, what would we do uh, before it got cold? Well, while the sun is still shining, while it's 80 degrees outside, and the weather's nice, we don't sit back and say, isn't it great? I just believe it's always going to be this way. <laughs> I just believe everything's going to be okay and, and ignore the fact that there are seasons, right? No, what we do, we stock up on straw. So when winter came and the corrals are all, all wet and mushy and, and the cows got to lay down somewhere, we'd go out there and put straw out there so they can stay dry, okay? That's just smart, that's intelligent. You've got to prepare for what's going to come. But if you look at how things are, you think, well, what's the big deal? Everything's good. It's like some, it's like some of you guys do with, with the healing meetings. I'm good. I'm feeling good. and nothing wrong with me. If I was sick, I'd be there. And, and uh, if not, uh, I'm not. Can I tell you something? Because I like you. I really do. Dumb. Should I say it again? Dumb. Front people and back people. Dumb. What am I, what am I saying? I'm not saying condemnation. I'm not saying, you know, angry. That's not the way God deals with us. We live under grace. All is well. All is forgiven. We're good with God. But a lot of this is just about being smart. It's about knowing winter's coming, man. It's going to rain. Get some straw out there. Get things prepared. And a lot of times when people are all doing well, that's when they stop reading the word. You know, finances are going good, so all those prosperity scriptures and stuff, they ignore them. But when the pressure's on, 
Oh, I better go get that stuff out and get built up. Man, you're too late. Not too late from God's perspective. He's merciful and kind and forgiving and all-powerful. But how many know it's not all about what he can do? It's about what we can believe. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? Remember the man who came to, came to Jesus and said, Lord, uh, if you will, you can make him whole. And Jesus turned right around and said, uh, said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It's not about, not about what I can do, what I want to do. It's about what you can believe. And that's, that's why preparation time is so important. If everything's going good, whoo, praise the Lord. Now it's time to stock up. If you're going to, you know, if a, if a builder goes and is going to build an addition on, 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 onto something, how many know there's, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes before anything is seen? If you don't take care of behind the scenes first, you never get to the scene part. You did never see anything. Sometimes people will look at uh, those who are successful, and I'm, I'm talking true success. They're successful Christians. Which that I mean, they'll be successful in the natural as well, but they're successful Christians. Things are going well for them. They seem to find their niche, and things flow. Things work for them. There seems to be an ease about them. And people will look and say, I don't understand why it just, just seems so easy for them. It just seems like everything just works, and I struggle, and I, I, I'm constantly going through it, and it just works for somebody else. Well, here's what you don't see. You don't see them when you don't see them. Are you listening? You don't see people when they're in their prayer closets. You don't see them when they're spending time. They could be goofing around, but they're doing business with God. They're preparing. They're stocking up. And when they show up on the scene and it looks like everything's just flowing and blowing and going and God's moving and they're blessed and prospering and healthy. And, and you think, well, why do they get that? It's because they did business. They, did, they took care of things behind the scene. You see a ship floating on the sea. How many know you don't see a good portion of that ship? Because it's underwater. It's the part that you don't see that causes what you do see to function correctly. And if there's nothing in your life that we don't see, and I'm talking good things now. I'm talking about diligence. Then what we do see will, will be a wreck. There's got to be an aspect to your life that's between you and God. No one can substitute for that. No one can lay hands on you and give it to you. But if, if there's, no, there's nothing happening behind the scenes in your life where you're seeking God, you're in his word, you're, you're pursuing his plan, and he, you're, you're being diligent. I believe in quick answers, solutions. I like, like when things happen fast, but it doesn't substitute for a life of diligence. Doing what's necessary behind the scenes so that when you show up in public, it's just the outflow of your walk in relationship with God behind the scenes. This is so important, man. Talking about your future. Talking about my future. What is my future going to look like? It's going to look like on the outside what I've dealt with behind the scenes on the inside. And you know we could deal with this from a, a negative standpoint, too. There's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes in people's lives that people don't want anyone to know about. I'm not here to expose you either, but I am here to warn you out of love and help, what happens behind the scenes eventually shows up. 
what happens in private eventually will manifest. And if you don't want your life to be what's been happening in private, you need to overcome that. If you need help, there's lots of help. But that's got to that's gotta be dealt with. Because if you stay on that path, eventually what you do in private will be seen. It'll show up. And it won't be pretty. But the Lord still loves you. Wants to help us. But we got to get ready. Got to get ready. And so time spent in the Word is a big part of this. Spent in God's Word. That's where he, what talking about from Hebrews 11.3. Getting a Word from God. Spent in the Word, both here at church, in private on your own, is key to bring, getting you ready for next. what's next. Now, what's key to a person's downfall? I'll tell you. Being caught off guard, unprepared, and ill-equipped. If we're caught off guard, unprepared, and ill-equipped, that's key to our downfall. Because when opposition arises, we're just simply not ready for it. Doesn't mean we're a bad person. Doesn't mean you don't have a heart for God. Doesn't, it doesn't mean you're just inherently evil. It just means you're not ready. It's, it's as simple as that. Is that simple? Just not ready. How do I know if I'm ready? Have you been doing business behind the scenes? Or is, is right now, what we're doing here, is this the full extent of your Christianity? Is this the full extent of how you live your life for, for the Lord? If it is, got to tell you, I don't think you're ready. I think there's trouble brewing. I think there's a storm on the horizon. And it's going to be challenging for you. We'll be here to help you, pray for you, you know, whatever. But i got to tell you, that stuff doesn't substitute for a life of diligence. Being faithful. Walking with the Lord every day. Amen. And so live ready. Uh, I know uh, spending time in the Philippines, and I've been to some other countries where it's, it's similar, but schedules are very optional. You know, we were going to have a, do something in one city and then it's changed and it's in another city. We were going to do a meeting here and no, now it's a different time. <laughs> okay, you know, you're not there to straighten all that out. You're just there to minister to people. And so you got to be flexible and you got to be, be ready at any given time to do something that you never thought you were going to do. And, and that's what makes these trips kind of interesting. Uh, but how do, how do you stay ready? I know this. What made me, because I ended up speaking at this conference, for example, that we did more times than I thought I was going to. And so, you know, it's not like you can have everything just lined out and prepared in advance and you're just going to go and just do what you planned. No, come up with a new plan. And then I found out this, that sometimes the Lord will direct you to go a different way. And, uh, but I found this, that living ready helps you to be ready spontaneously for unexpected things. And, and sometimes, like, uh, like I say in these meetings, what do you do? You don't have a five-hour block to sit down and study and pray and get everything lined out. You have to live ready so that things can come out of your life and experience. Sometimes people have asked, asked me about uh, how I prepare to teach and preach in the church. Well, two ways. 
One is I do set aside specific time, and I give a lot of focus and attention to it. Okay? But here's the other side. I've been preparing for 40 years. Okay? And that's the side. You can't, where else do you get that? In other words, what I'm saying is over the years, and not that I've done everything right over those 40 years, but every time I'm diligent to do what's right, to follow through, to obey, to be in the Word, to pray, to seek God, what I'm doing is I'm preparing for the future. I'm confident that what I have studied and prepared for today's message will come out of me at a later time in another circumstance, even though I didn't study it for that time. What I'm saying is living a life prepared gets you ready for anything and everything that may come up and may take place in your life. And so uh, uh, it's like going to school. I mean, the test is coming. You got one person who treated the whole semester like a party. They had a great time. You got someone else who was diligent in their studies and went to class and, you know, and did the homework and, all, and, and come test day, it's coming to both people. One person was prepared. They were relaxed. It was easy. They went, did very well. The other person's pulling out their hair the night before, cramming, trying to get it all in. They go in there just scared that they're going to fail and sometimes do. Okay, but it's how do we want to live our lives? Do we want to be ready or do we want to not be ready? But whatever you do, can I tell you this? Prepare to win. Prepare to succeed. Don't prepare to fail. Too many times people are making provision for the flesh. They're making provision for failure in their life. You know, it's like when someone gets a disease or a sickness in their body, they're immediately counseled and told to uh, adapt their life. They need to accept their condition and they need to learn to live with it, especially if it's, it's what's uh, considered incurable by medical uh, you know, knowledge and understanding. Learn to live with your problem. Well, that's fine if you want to keep the problem. But if we believe in, in a God with whom all things are possible, that there is no disease and no sickness that can live in my body in the presence of the Almighty One, I'm not going to learn to live with anything. Whether I was in an accident and, and this part's now broken down or the disease, you know, took out an eyesight here or hearing here, well, do I want to learn to live with that? Because if I do, I get to keep it. But if I prepare to win, I prepare to overcome, I'm not planning to stay with that. It, you know, if I got a, uh, if someone's in a, in a marriage and things aren't really going so well, and uh, listen, I think you start planning your vacation with your spouse. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I heard uh, about, there was a, a, a conference, a men's marriage conference that was taking place, and uh, the leader was asking uh, some of the men in there who'd been married a long, long time what their advice was and, uh, and what they could, you know, how they were able to stay married so long. There's one gentleman there, he'd been married almost 50 years, and so he wanted him to stand up and, and, say, and share what he did to make his marriage last so long. And, uh, and he said, well, you know, I endeavored to, you know, give to my wife and bless her as much as possible. And he said, on our 20th anniversary, I took her to Italy. And he said, he said wow, you're very commendable and that you, you did such a, you know, romantic thing. And, and he said, what, what are you planning for your 
50th anniversary. He said, I'm going to go back there and get her. <laughs> and so, now let me get back, let me get back on my point now. Uh, I said, plan your vacation. In other words, you're making preparation for your marriage to be good. You're planning to be together and things to be, things to be uh, reconciled and things to be well as opposed to planning things to fall apart. A lot of this is the difference between success and failure. Amen. Amen. Plan to win. Plan to be healed. Plan to be prosperous. Don't spend like you have money that you don't have. But don't plan on, if you're living with scarcity in your life financially, don't plan to stay that way. I'd still be looking for the new car, the new house, whatever. Whatever it is that, that your heart desires. Don't go commit something to it. Don't put money and you know, crank up the credit card because you have faith. But I am saying make preparation to, to be blessed and to be prosperous. Amen. Now let me give you this. Let me finish up this morning with this last segment here. How do we deal with our future now? There are certain things within the Word of God that show us a direct link between what we do now and what will happen to us in the future. And these are keys I want to be made aware of. If I know something I can do now that will directly impact my future, okay? And here's the first one that I want to give you. Number one is giving. Is giving. If I want to directly influence my own future with God's plan, His best, giving has a direct link. It's tied to our future. It doesn't deal with the past. It deals with what's ahead of us. You know these scriptures. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it shall be given. What's that? That's future. What I give now, I'm connecting to what shall be given to me. You know scriptures like uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. When? In the future. See, I can set up my future to be prosperous. God has given me a direct link between what I do now and what will happen in the future. Galatians 6, 7, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay? And so there's a direct thing. Giving precedes our receiving. Giving does something in us as well as for us. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy Chapter 6 and verse 17. 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, 
nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. What's one reason that God gives us things to enjoy? Someone said, I think everything we get that's above the bare necessities we're supposed to give away. That's not true. That's not scriptural. Okay? It's just not. God gives you some things, and he just wants you to enjoy them. Why? Just because he likes us. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy stuff. He said, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for what? The time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now listen, the time to come. Don't be, when does eternal life come into being? It comes the very moment you receive Jesus. It is the present possession of every child of God. Eternal life is something that we possess today. And so when he's talking about uh, uh, doing things that will prepare us, that will lay a good foundation for the time to come, that's your future. That's my future. What prepares me for my future? Giving does. Giving does. And he also mentioned, you know, being rich in good works, but he said, ready to give, willing to share. That's what prepares us for our future. A short-sighted person will never get ahead. I think investing money can be a, a wise thing. I think sometimes when people make investments in real estate or in companies, uh, that can be a wise thing. But I will tell you that the most wise investment of all is investments in the kingdom of God. Okay. There's no economic downturns in heaven. There is zero chance of you losing it all. Zero. Whereas anything on this earth, anything can go south. But with the kingdom of God, and this is where some people don't, I think, I think we miss it. We don't see it as an investment. We see it as we give, it's gone, it flew away. My, my dollars grew wings and flew away. No, that's just not true concerning God's kingdom. He, Jesus told us to store up treasure in heaven. He didn't say so that you could never touch it again until you get there. He just said it wouldn't be corrupted there. Moth and rust wouldn't corrupt. How many know what you give to God? He never said you couldn't make withdrawals. I don't think we're really on the same page here right now. See, there's more to this than what we're seeing. There absolutely is. We're talking about your future, my future. I can directly influence my future. God has revealed to me keys. This is a biggie right here. What I give today prepares me for tomorrow and makes preparation for my future. Look at Malachi. and We'll finish up with this verse. But hold on to your seat. I'm going to say something. Some of you might get mad at me, but that's okay. We like you anyway. Better than falling asleep, right? <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, and let's look at verse 7. 3 7. It says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances 
and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Why would someone have to return? Because they're away. He said, return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Now, this is real interesting, what the Lord is talking about here. He's talking about people, we might say they're backslidden. They're away from God. And the Lord is speaking to them and saying, would you get back home? Would you come back into fellowship? Would you come back to me? And we know there may be some folks here today that maybe you are in that condition or at some time in your life maybe you were. I mean, I'm talking about after you received the Lord, you got caught up in the cares of life and cares of this world and got away from God. You stopped, you're no longer going to church, you weren't pursuing him, you weren't praying in, in the word, you weren't pursuing his plan and serving others, and you were just away from God. You were living a selfish life, but you were still saved. Jesus was the Lord of your life, but you weren't living that way. You know what I'm talking about. And so what you did is at some point, if you ha unless you haven't done it yet, but you were recommitted or you rededicated, you got right with God, you asked the Lord to forgive you for living your own way, and you got back into fellowship with God. And it's not uncommon for us to have a, that type of altar call here, where we'll say, you know, we'll give an opportunity for people who are ne who've never been born again to get saved. And sometimes, you know, we'll say, you've been away from God. You've been living out in the world. You've received the Lord, but you've been away from God, and you need to come back home. And we'll give people an opportunity to pray a prayer and rededicate their life. And they do. And God forgives them. But here's what's not considered many times. When the Lord said, you're away from me. You need to come back. He didn't say, I want you to come down to the front. I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to recommit your life to me. Most of you know the context and what's coming up here. What is he talking to them about? He's talking to them about their money. He said, you are backslidden, man. You have gotten away from me, and I want you to come back. How? You need to start tithing. You need to start giving offerings. You've, you've taken tithes and offerings. And that with the Lord was tantamount to saying you're backslidden. You know, we got backslidden people in churches everywhere. And they go regularly sing the songs, raise their hands, smile on their face, fellowship with the saints. Sometimes they're involved and they help out and serve in different areas. But according to the word of God, they're backslidden. Why? Because they don't give. They don't give. I don't know. Would it be appropriate? Could we have a call, an altar call for biblical backsliders? Didn't Jesus say, where your treasure is, there your heart is? Could we not validly say that if someone is not giving of their finances into the kingdom of God, that their heart is not with God? On the authority of the very words of Jesus, we say that. Now, I'm not doing this on purpose to tick anyone off, but I, I, you know, I, sure, I certainly do want people to, to think. Sometimes people think, everything's good with me and the Lord. We're just walking together. Let me see your checkbook, and I'll tell you if that's true. Amen. And get it, can I tell you? I didn't make this up. This is not a preacher thing. This is not a church ploy for extra money. Yeah. Nothing of the like. I would never for a second 
let any kind of motivation like that uh, cause me to say something like this. Never. It's beneath me. I just wouldn't do it. But on the authority of the Word of God. This is what the Lord is talking to us about. People think, I'm walking with the Lord, and they're not giving? You're not walking with the Lord like you think you are. Now, the, maybe the only exception would be someone who's a brand new believer, and they have not yet seen these truths. It hasn't been revealed. They don't know about giving and tithes and offerings, and, and they haven't come to that point. I don't think they're necessarily backslidden. They've never slid forward <laughs> yet. They have not come into that understanding. And so there, there's no condemnation, really, no condemnation to anybody else, too. But if you've been walking with the Lord, you know, if you've been, if you've been a Christian for a while, and yet this is not a part of your life, i got to tell you, it's a big problem between you and the Lord. Because according to his word, your heart is not with him. Yay. <laughs> so maybe we should give an altar call. For those who are not giving, because you're backslidden. I told you I was going to make you mad, did I? <laughs> now, I'm not about to expose you. You know me. I don't want to. That's not my heart at all. I'm not about to call for you if you, got, you haven't been given for you to stand up and let everyone know how stingy and selfish you are. <laughs> but I would tell you this. Do business with the Lord. Just do business with God. You can, you don't have it. We're not here to expose people's sin, but we need to recognize what the Lord says. Okay? When people invest in the kingdom of God, they're more interested in the kingdom of God. It's just like if you put your money in a company. Let's say you go on the uh, stock exchange and you buy shares of Walmart. You're probably going to start shopping there more than before. <laughs> Even though you know it has such a minimal impact on your few shares. But, you know, you want the company to do well, don't you? You kind, of, you kind of might tell other people, Walmart has that. Why don't you go shop there? Because you think you're making money. And you are to a, you know, a small degree. Uh, but what about when people invest in the kingdom of God? Their interests are there. They want churches like ours and all over the world to grow and to do well. They're less likely to speak evil of and to criticize other Christians or preachers. Or, or, and to just, no, they're wanting success because, man, I've got my money in this thing. What's your money represent? You, your heart. That's where you live. And, that, and, and see, this is key to our future. Your future walk in relationship with God and, of course, your future financially because prosperity is tied to giving and receiving. But look at the 10th verse. Most people know this verse if you've been in church for very long. Remember in verse 10 he said, uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. What does the Lord do in response to our coming back to him? It says he opens windows to pour out blessing. Now think about it. When this was written, windows were not made of glass. Okay, Windows, it's not like you just... And you, and, and you, look, you look through the window... A lot, some of what a window had to do with God's blessed, poured out blessing through the window enables us to see. What, is he, what does the Lord want you to see? When we're honoring him with, our, with tithes and offerings, he allows us to see opportunities 
We see, and it, uh, I, I can invest here. I can, you know, start this business. I can ha have all these opportunities come available that before you didn't see. Now all of a sudden you're seeing things that the average Joe is not seeing. The average person's going through life, doing the best they can, but somehow you've got an advantage because you're ahead of the game. You're able to see things before anybody else sees them. You think God knows everything? Man, I tell you what, he knows the beginning from the end. Uh, he, he, he knows the future and every bit of it. And when, his, when the windows are open and you can see through them now, oh, all of a sudden all these opportunities, you start taking advantage of what rightfully belongs to you as a child of God. Blessed in Christ. Amen. Amen. Key to our future is our giving and what we do now. It's key to our financial future. It's key to the plan of God in our lives. It's key to us walking closely with him with a, with a wholehearted effort. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you now for life, for direction, for instruction and understanding for every single person. Lord, may we all walk in the light and knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and all understanding. In fact, just take a moment. We're going to do something a little bit different right now. Before we end the service, everyone be real still, and I want you just to take a moment. Don't listen to me now. In fact, I'll probably start stop speaking for just a couple minutes, and I want you to talk to the Lord about your own business, about the message that was that was shared here, the scriptures that were brought forth, whether it's the giving side, whether it's the other things we shared in the earlier part of the message. Just take take a moment and just talk to the Lord about uh, about your life and what His will and His future plan for you is. And I just want to want to give opportunity for this. So just take just a moment to do that. <laughs>